to do this type of litigation at a larger scale, you have to be very efficient. Welcome to Personal Injury Mastermind. Each week we examine how the best in the legal industry go from good to go. I'm Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io, the legal marketing company the best firms hire when they want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies can't deliver. Here at PIM, we don't just talk about it, we are about it. If you're ready to dominate the personal injury arena and champion your firm, join me at PIMCon, the first ever official PIM conference. Conquer marketing, network with titans, celebrate excellence, and go for the gold this September in Scottsdale at the five-star Phoenician Resort. Secure your place among the elite. Reserve your all-access pass into the winner's circle at PIMCon.org, where we take you from good to go. All right, let's get on with the show. Dream big, work hard, accomplish anything. Dawn Smith lives by this motto. Early in her career, she hustled to become one of the most impactful mesothelioma attorneys nationwide. Since then, Dawn has brought her champion mindset to nursing home law. Her firm is unique. Dawn broke away from the high-volume, low-complexity, and low-volume, high-complexity models. Her firm, SmithKleinSmith, specializes in complex cases at scale. She and partner Curtis KleinSmith strategically built one of the country's largest nursing home abuse practices and figured out how to run a national firm with a boutique bill. Dawn shares hard-won insights into choosing niches, structuring firms, and using technology to turn ambitious visions into reality. Her advice shows clearly that even the boldest dreams are achievable. Here's Don Smith, managing partner at Smith Klein Smith. You know, I was in eighth grade. It was like one of those eighth grade trips and super excited that I got to participate. But something about sitting in the gallery in the United States Supreme Court and just just overwhelmingly beautiful and the lawyers were so, so well-spoken. It was just like such a great memory for me that just coming full circle, it's, it's kind of cool. That's amazing. And, and I'm going to do a super fast forward here. You have a ton of experience in a variety of areas, but I'm going to, I'm going to super fast forward guys all the way to managing partner of Smith Kleinsmith, one of the largest nursing home abuse practices in the country out of the gate. Why did you choose to niche in a nursing home abuse and maybe not moonlight with auto accidents or attack mesothelioma with your tremendous experience in meso? What was it that made nursing home abuse the, the niche that you wanted to attack? That's a great question. It was a journey or it has been a journey. Um, so, you know, at the beginning of my practice, I, I was so lucky to get a lot of trial experience with my first firm. My bosses were amazing. I got to try three cases right out of the gate. Um, we did some elder abuse back then. Uh, California has some great laws that protect elders and we did some back then, but then I moved to Texas and my partner and I started doing some asbestos litigation, but he was always doing nursing home abuse. And we really decided that we could, based on kind of the national reach that we had with the asbestos practice and some of the contacts that we've made over the years, uh, we really felt like we could make the biggest impact doing, you know, these type of cases only across the country because it's really an underserved population. When you say impact, 
Like we can define that different ways. Obviously, I've heard you talk about how saturated it is, but also I believe you're a part of like one of the largest settlements in, in, in the history of MISO. So obviously there's a lot of revenue there. Was it the impact on individuals' lives? Was it, was it hey, yeah, that we had this tremendous value in this case, but it also cost a ton of money with expert witnesses and time. And so tell me about impact and let's really define that. Well, full disclosure. So I did get that big verdict. Um, I was second chairing and uh, it got reversed on appeal. We tried it again and we lost. So I'm super proud of that, that big old verdict and I will always have it with me, but we did not get to really enjoy the fruits of that other than really being such an amazing experience. I mean, it was just this tiny little community in Mississippi and I need to get together with the other lawyers involved and write a book on it sometime. It was fun. With nursing home abuse and neglect, most practices focus on a small number of cases. Um, most of them don't have a lot of lawyers working for them, and they really only can focus just on the best cases. So that means they have to turn a lot of cases away because they can only have the best families, the worst injuries. You know, it, it has to be almost a perfect case. We just don't practice that way. We feel like the injuries, regardless of maybe they have not a great person bringing the lawsuit, we represent the victims of elder abuse and neglect, and we make sure that all of our associates and our staff understand what kind of, you know, how we represent these people and what we're trying to prevent in the future. Because we really think that lawsuits make a difference. You know, there's some great laws out there, but if there aren't attorneys enforcing those laws, then they're just laws, right? They're not making a change. So that's why I love what I do. And this is a field that my partner, Curtis, and I are really passionate about. So really excited about making this transition. I wanted to briefly just touch on marketing and business development. Is the marketing more catered to your peers for referrals because it's less saturated and you can monetize these lower value cases for more reviews? Or is it, hey, I'm maybe a combination of both. I'm advertising at this assisted living facilities and or doing the grassroots marketing. You, you know, what is this big picture like your thoughts on on marketing? So right now, I would say the majority of our work is through referrals. We've gone back and forth. We've done some advertising for cases. We've had a referral base. Right now, our referral partners are, are really amazing. So we've created some great partnerships with about six firms around the country, and that has been working well for us. Um, I think at some point, we want to have diversity in that we are advertising for our own cases and also getting referrals because I just think that to have a better balance, right, is a way forward um, with less risk if you just kind of are distributing everything as equally as possible. So, you know, I mean, we work with great lawyers, but I don't think that you should, you know, rely only on one source or even a few different sources, because if you do and you don't kind of distribute that a little bit across your business, then I think that you're setting yourself up for more risk than you need to. I couldn't agree more. And when you do originate those cases, now there's the question of, you know, you pay the referral fee or you pay the cost to acquire the client. But um, some of those, especially when you start getting your past clients to refer cases, you know, those profit margins are a lot better, too. Yeah, that's right. You can't become one of the largest nursing home abuse practices by just winging it. So how do you and Curtis and your leadership go about in planning maybe for 2024 or the future? 
Great question. So Vivid Vision um, is was really our starting point. So about a year and a half ago, we Curtis and I both read that book. He's been such an inspiration to me when it comes to building the business. He's really the business side of our firm, and I'm really the litigator. So we blend kind of our talents and skills in that way. So he said, hey, we got to read this book. I'm like, okay. So then we mapped it all out, um, you know, went through the 10 years, three year, one year, and we wrote it down and we sent it to somebody that actually had some experience with graphics and all that. And she put it together for us. So I would say that we kind of fine tuned it there for close to a year and really launched it to our staff the end of the third quarter during our docket call. We do a docket call quarterly um, where all of our staff come and we we talk to them about kind of where the firm is going. Because I really think it's important to have all your all your folks, you know, on the same path, right? Knowing where we're going so we can all roll row together. But we have uh, meetings every week with our leadership team. Um, just to talk about problems, planning, our rocks. You know, you, you talked about Gino. So we follow the the EOS traction plan that way. And I think that that helps everybody. Curtis and I are both visionaries, so that makes it a little bit diff- difficult, right? So we feel that everyone's in our head a lot of the times and they aren't. So having those weekly meetings really helps us stay focused and stay on track. And we're still, I mean, it's still a work in progress. By by no means have we gotten it all figured out. I mean, we're still trying to work through it and and make it sustainable the way we vision it. A lot of our audience knows Gina Wickman, knows and maybe has read Vivid Vision, but like, is it a you know, a leadership war room with just you and Curtis, like like visionary integrator or visionary managing partner or two visionaries, like you say, or is it do you have heads of marketing and HR, like, like what kind of composition do you, do you currently have working for you? So we started with a leadership team. So uh, we have senior associates that have been with us for seven years or more. And our uh, chief operating officer is Charlie Kirby. She's been with Curtis for 20 years this year. She's, uh, you know, really built the practice with him over the years. So we started with those folks. We've got our senior associate, head of litigation, who manages the associates. We have a senior associate in charge of probate that handles the Texas probate and coordinates with all the national probate attorneys that help us with those cases. And then we also have our senior associate in charge of our medical legal department. So she coordinates with Prelit and also all of our experts to make sure that the cases have all the foundation that they need to move into litigation. So we started with those folks. Those were those have been kind of our key members and from our launching point of how we plan to operate this business at a at a larger scale. Uh, this last year, we built out our business side. So we hired a CIO and a chief of marketing as well. as, And we have a, a marketing director and also a, a chief of staff. So those folks meet weekly, too, with Charlie Kirby, our, our COO. So Curtis and I meet with our leadership team once a week. And then we have Charlie handle those C-suite meetings. Your role as managing partner and, and how you divide accountability between you and Curtis, and, and you kind of said it at the beginning, but just how you think about that, how you function best as the managing partner, really the driver behind you know the, the, the firm. 
Well, we've had some challenges. So I don't know if you know about Colby scores and print scores. We uh, have started a coaching program with Chris out of Atlanta a few years back. We did all that testing that talks about kind of how you work best, your best self, your shadow self, how you work well with others in what ways. So we did that testing early on. And I don't think he and I realized, well, Uh, Let me take it back. I think maybe he realized that we were very similar, but I did not realize it at all. So all these books have chapters and just entire books on a visionary and an integrator. Usually you have to have both. And he and I just are both visionaries. There's no getting around it. And our test scores are almost identical. So we really had a hard time kind of figuring out our groove within the firm. And he has basically final say on all the business stuff. I have final say on all the litigation stuff. And that's how we've really, you know, that's his strength. That's my strength. And that's how we've been able to move things forward. But I mean, we butt heads, you know, we don't always agree. And we've certainly come through a lot to be where we are today. Um, But niching down, deciding to do one practice area, not having both of us kind of pull different directions, that was huge. That was that was a game changer for us. That's amazing. And I I appreciate the candor and and everyone has it, but it's like you don't hear it frequently. But it's nice that you got that insight from those personality assessments, Colby or DISC or predictive or what have you is really, really helpful in that capacity. When I think of organizational design, by and large it's like auto accident attorneys and you know, like there's really three you've got like the high volume pre-lit you've got the just pure referral no operational cost and then you've got the litigating side or it's typically their niche right they maybe just do truck because you're taking a volume of cases and not just cherry picking the the best nursing home practices what have you found in terms of just structure and, and how you're thinking about maintaining a good quality of service, but also maintaining profit. Yeah, you can hire a bunch of bodies, but our biggest costs walk on two legs typically. So how do you think about the organizational design? That has been really the biggest challenge um, because to do this type of litigation at a larger scale, you have to be very efficient because, you know, it's complicated. It's not easy litigation. So to grow the practice, we've decided that technology is one of the most important things that we have to rely on. So we purchased Litify three years ago, and initially it was not working the way we wanted it to. And we've had to hire somebody in-house to help us with that because we were using outside consultants to do it. And that just wasn't working. But so right now we're excited that we're kind of being able to really realize the benefits of it. Um, It's still a work in progress, but we are automating a lot. Um, We try to learn from a lot of people in the industry that are handling large practices and how they do it, and then trying to really customize it for nursing home litigation. You know, you've got to be able to have contact with your clients. We use case status for texting. Um, That's integrated within Litify. That has been great. Uh, We have a system in place where we're contacting our clients at least once every 30 days and documenting all of that. We can see when our lawyers are out of range of the dates that they're supposed to be doing 
uh, what they're doing. In fact, we have data meetings with the lawyers and the pre-lit team every Thursday. You just have to make sure because you cannot see what the lawyers are doing. You don't know what they're doing on a daily basis inside. We just don't have time to walk in there and watch them all the time. And even if we did, we probably wouldn't know exactly what they were doing. So by performance-based tasks and being able to call that data, I think that's that's really helped us be able to help more people in this area of law. Fantastic. Love every bit of that. We've had case status on the show, uh, so we'll link that up in the show notes. We've had Litify as well. When you were researching your CRMs and you've got, you know, lead docket file line, you got Salesforce HubSpot, you got, uh, you know, Smart Advocate and all these options, right? What, what was like the main reason you chose Litify? So that was Curtis did all of that research. What we we did together was really to plan for the future. We needed something that was customizable and could be changed by us, right? So we had Filevine for a while. We spent a bunch of money on that and ended up not using it because it wasn't as customizable as we thought. And we've been frustrated with Litify from time to time as well because it wasn't exactly what we thought. But we can build it into what we need and we weren't necessarily putting all the resources into it that we know that we need now to make it what we want it to. And we're still building it out. But I think that when you're trying to choose a CRM, you've got to know what you need, right? Is it just going to be kind of garden variety? Do you need to make changes? You know, these programs are expensive. So you've got to figure out really what you need uh, when you're making that decision. But for us, this was the one CRM that we could really change to fit what we needed and to fit our growth. Thank you for that. Because, you know, there's there's a lot of different reasons. There's a lot of good options out there. And I, I appreciate the transparency on that. I kind of want to switch over to leadership a little bit. You got a big team. You're growing, right? You got now you got tech people. You got these these non-revenue generating staff. You know, how do you approach mentoring and and empowering these individuals to to get the things that you need done and to go, you know, to follow that vision? Like, like what's your approach to leadership when leading these larger teams? I think uh, constant growth and knowing that we can get better from a leadership standpoint, is really the most important mindset. You know, I'm reading a book by several books by John Maxwell right now. I think he's got some great guidance on on leadership. Um, I will say when I first started out, I was awful. I was absolutely awful. You know, no patience, just a pretty intense person, uh, just kind of blow people up, right? And that doesn't that doesn't make a lot of uh, change and people don't stay around very long when you're doing that. So I think making sure that you have clear objectives and clear follow-up regarding those objectives puts you in the best position to accomplish, well, to empower people and also accomplish, you know, the firm's goals. Those, you have to have that and you have to have patience and the testing helps too, because you know how somebody interacts, you know, you kind of know what they need, you know how they hear things, which that has been such a change for me is just 
taking a minute, looking. We have everybody's print scores and Colby scores on their Slack name. So on Slack, uh, we use Slack to communicate, which we started using that during COVID. And that has, has really changed the way we do things. It's, it's a great tool. And we have on everybody's name the first day that they start, right next to their name, they have their Colby score and their print score. So before I send a message, that just reminds me because I'm pretty direct and pretty straightforward. So I don't say hi, good morning, generally. I'm not an emoji girl. That's not me. But if that person kind of works better when they're communicated with that, I'll make sure I, I'll type it all out and then I'll stop. I'll back up, add my, hey, good morning. How's it going? You know, finish with the emoji on the end or something like that. And I think that it really helps. I really do. That's fantastic. And what's one of the big objectives, big goals that you guys are shooting for in 2024? So I want to try at least uh, six cases this year. I'm a trial lawyer at heart. That's just my, that's where I love to be. That's where I thrive. And so many of these cases don't necessarily get tried because some of them are just horrific. Sometimes the family members just have a hard time going through with it because it's just so painful. And they, you know, they have a lot of guilt because they made this decision to place their loved one in a nursing home. And then this happened. So even though they you know, they did everything they possibly could. Um, they still have a lot of guilt. I mean, we had a trial in, in Conroe, Texas this year, super conservative venue, really proud of, uh, of our verdict there. And I think that's made a change. I mean, when you try cases, you get better results. So I would just encourage people that regardless of kind of what area they're practicing in, you know, try your cases. It's, you know, you're not going to win all of them. N nobody wins them all. But um, you got to try them. You got to try them. That's going to increase the value of all of your cases across the board. Where can our audience listening uh, go to connect with you or, or get in touch with the firm? Yeah, so we are, our URL is fightingelderabuse.com. I'm Dawn at fightingelderabuse.com. And we'd love to talk to you and hear from you. And even if you guys are doing your own nursing home cases and you just want some thoughts or insights or names of experts, totally happy to help. Thanks so much to Don for sharing your wisdom today. Let's hit the takeaways. Time for the pinpoints. Laser focus your practice. Choose a specific personal injury niche to establish your firm as the expert. Specializing allows you to gain a deep understanding of your niche, craft marketing that speaks directly to potential clients, provide unparalleled quality of service. Pivoting to a new niche doesn't mean you need to start from scratch. Leverage your existing client pool. My partner and I started doing some asbestos litigation, but he was always doing nursing home abuse. And we really decided that we could, based on kind of the national reach that we had with the asbestos practice and some of the contacts that we've made over the years, uh, we really felt like we could make the biggest impact doing these type of cases only across the country because it's really an underserved population. Unlock your firm's potential with legal tech. The future of legal tech is here and beaming with promise. Modern solutions help you work smarter for the benefit of your firm and your clients. Don't leave your operations stuck in the past. Embrace legal tech and watch your vision unfold. To do this type of litigation at a larger scale, you have to be very efficient because you know it, it's complicated. It's not easy litigation. So to grow the practice, we've decided that technology is one of the most important things that we have to rely on. Bring out the best in your team. It all starts with effective leadership. Set clear and achievable goals, track accountability, and take time to mentor your associates. By using personality tests, you can enhance communication and align everyone's strengths. With strong leadership and strategic organizational design, 
You'll not only foster teamwork, but also drive productivity and ultimately boost your bottom line. We use Slack to communicate. Now, I'm not an emoji girl, but if that person works better when they're communicated with that, I'll make sure I, I'll type it all out and then I'll stop. I'll back up, add my, hey, good morning, how's it going? You know, finish with the emoji on the end or something like that. And I think that it really helps. I really do. All right, y'all, that's it for today. But before you go, I want to extend a personal invitation to PimCon, the official PIM conference, September 15th through 17th. I would love you to join me to learn how to conquer marketing, network with Titans, celebrate excellence, and take your firm from good to go. We've got early bird pricing for a limited time. Lock in your spot with the PI Elite at PIMCON.org. That's P-I-M-C-O-N dot O-R-G. Link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Personal Injury Mastermind with me, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. See you next time.